0: All right, at this time, very quietly, the kids are dismissed for Asbury Church Kids. And so if you want to quietly make your way uh, to the back, you guys are going to have a wonderful time this morning. All right, for everybody else, take your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark chapter uh, 4. How many ready to hear God's Word? Okay, a couple of us. How many ready to receive God's Word? All right, how many know it's God's word that grows us, changes us, helps, helps us become what God wants us to be? Can I get a witness on this one? And so I, I challenged you last week, and I'll challenge you again, when you come to church, to be ready to hear what God has to say. You know what I love about preaching and about opportunities to share is what God does in the room as, as we listen to his word. You know, I want you to know, I, some of you, this is the first time I've seen you since last Sunday, Right? And, and I haven't walked with you throughout this whole week. But what I always find amazing about these messages or about just sharing with you guys is how people come up and say, you know what, Pastor Dave, when, when, when you were sharing this or you were sharing that, you were speaking right right to me. There's some that have come up and said, you know what, we were just talking about it this morning. And I like to go, yeah, see how smart I am? But how I many know that's not true? I mean, that, that, it's not that I'm not smart, but, but how many know that God takes this moment... And he uses this moment to to speak to us because he has been with us throughout the entire week. Aren't you grateful that God has been with you every moment this last week? In the midst of the ups and the downs, in the midst of the challenges, he's been with you. And what I believe is that as we gather together, God says, okay, I've been with you and I have something to say to you. And because of it, as part of it is to be ready to hear and to, 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 to remember what God says. And like I said last week, we're all getting to the age, a bunch of us are getting to the age we forget things. And I want to challenge you that, that, you know, whether you're following along in your Bible to have that with you, but also to take some notes. Because I believe that as I begin to share different things that God uses this moment to begin to speak to us, and we need to write them down so that we can remember them and reflect on them uh, throughout the course of our week. Uh, because God has something to say, so are you ready to hear what God has to say to us this morning? Okay, three of us, good. All right, you ready for this? This is going to be good. All right. We're going to begin a new series, and, and we are going to begin a new seri- series entitled Made by Following. Okay, how many of you have ever been made to follow? Do you know what I mean? They, they make you do it? So I grew up in church. I tell you, I was drugged to church. I was drugged on Sunday morning. I was drugged on Sunday night. They would just pick me up and they would take me. And, and I remember as a, as a kid having to go to church and pretending, this, is what, this was always my, my big deal. and my, my parents always saw through it somehow. I always would be like going, hey, as it got closer to Sunday evening, our family would always take Sunday afternoon naps because how many know that's a thing from God? Amen, amen. Uh, Pastor Dwayne's going to enter that today, the Lord's rest. Um, but I, I remember as it would get closer to Sunday evening, and I knew we had, had to go to church, that's when I would really try to fall asleep because I hope my parents would look in on the beautiful cherub that I was, the sleeping cherub, and say, we need to leave him alone, let him sleep. But they didn't. They always woke me up and drug me to church. And, you know, there, there are aspects and times in life where we are made... To follow. But what I want to reflect on over the next couple of weeks is this is that we are actually made by following. That God takes the, the moments as, as we choose with our lives to follow Him, that God begins to shape us and mold us to become the people that he wants us to be. The, the, the kind of the theme verse that we're going to kind of think around, and what we'll do over the next few weeks is look at some different aspects of uh, in the different gospels. But, but I love how Jesus kind of begins this whole thing out in, in Mark chapter 1. And this is what it says. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become. Follow me and I will make you become. Now, what's, what's interesting is, is that the, you'll notice I have NASB, which is, the I believe, the New American Standard Bible, something like that, right? Ask Pastor Duane, he knows all his translations. But, but this translation, generally what they do is they, they, they try and do it as, as, as close to the, 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 the construct in Greek that is possible. And so where, where you read this, th- there's this very specific thing that Mark is saying, is he's saying this, um, follow me, and in following me, I will make you to become, Like, I I will make you, like, through the following process, I will help make you to become what my purpose is for you. Well, some people are made to follow. Jesus' disciples are made by following. And this is an idea that I think is so important for us to, to allow to go deep in our hearts. Following is not just what we're called to do, It is also the process by which God helps us become what he created us to be and to do. That following is a part of the process of becoming. Now, we all recognize we're not there yet. How many got room for improvement? If you don't think you have room for improvement, just turn to the person next to you and ask them, is there anything I need to improve in my life? And um, Because if you don't have suggestions, I've got some. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. But, but we all have room for improvement. I remember hearing one guy say uh, many times, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Like that there, there's, this, there's this recognition that we have, there are areas in my life where I can and need to become better. And so how does God better us? How does God help us become what we are called and created to be? Well, it happens through Following him. Now, as a church, we have a very simple mission. It is leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Like our heart, the reason what we do, what we do, whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, whether we do it at our kids, adults, whatever, it's all a part of this process to help you become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And we believe that when we're a fully devoted follower of Christ, we reflect some different things, that that we actually become, that, that we begin to worship God enthusiastically. That as followers of Christ, when we're fully devoted, we just worship God enthusiastically. So when we sing songs like, I throw up my hands, it's just like, dude, I'm all in. Have you ever watched people hesitate as they jump in off of a diving board? Right? They're like, eh. And then there's other people who just throw themselves off. I think there's a part where when it comes to the presence of God, we become a people that just throw ourselves into the presence of God and say, God, I just thank you for all that you do. And we just express our gratitude to him with enthusiasm. Not only that, part of this becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ is to connect with the family of God regularly. That God has not called us to do life alone, but to do it in community, to do it together. And so this becoming process, when we're a fully devoted follower of Christ... We recognize we're no lone ranger. We're not doing this alone. We're doing this together. We recognize also in becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ that that God is calling us to grow in our faith consistently. That means that we have to be challenged, that we have to be stretched. How many like stretching? Right? You know what I have found as I've gotten older? Stretching is helpful for moving. How many wake up a little stiff at times? Right? You're like, oh, my word. And you're like, eh. so we have this, like, in, in this, so this is just a funny, this is a funny for me. We, we have this wonderful gentleman in our, in our service in Dryden. Sometimes during worship, I'll watch him, you know, like, he's just stretching his arms. He's reaching over, and he's bending down. And I'm like going, I so feel that. I need that. Because if I'm not careful, I get stiff. And if I get, if I get stiff, I, I don't function like I'm supposed to. And there's this part of growing our faith where we have to say, okay, it's time to stretch our faith. And becoming a follower of Christ, fully devoted follower, we grow in our faith consistently. We serve others unselfishly. We share our faith effectively. Like, there is so much room to become the people God wants us to be. And the way we become, the process, is by choosing to follow Jesus. So today, as we begin, I want to talk about aligning with Christ. Now... I had this great video that I, that I love. I was going to show it this morning, but I think it's more fun to tell it. And, and it's a video from, from that great religious organization called NPR, um, National Public Radio. I'm not sure what the religion is, but it's this great little clip about something that, that all humans have a propensity for, and that is drifting. And it's a great little video because it tells it tells about a number of experiments that took place in the early 1900s. And this was the experiment. You can go home and try this. This is tons of fun and if you don't want to do it do it to your kids. They would blindfold an individual and then take them to this big open field and then say this, walk in a straight line. And you know what happened? as they would get people blindfolded and begin to walk in a straight line, invariably what happened, they would start out okay, but as more time went on, all of a sudden there would be this bend to their direction. And then all of a sudden they would start going in circles, first a larger circle, then a smaller circle. And sometimes the circle would go the other way, but they would keep moving in circles because once you remove a person's vision, they're not always able to identify what's straight ahead. And they did it in a number of different ways. They even did it where they had a driver, they put him in a car. I mean, this would be fun to do with your teenage driver. They blindfolded him and said, drive in a straight line. And the same thing happened. They did it in a number of different ways. They even told stories about people who got lost in the fog. Anybody here remember the fog from a few a couple weeks ago? It was so awful about how people left from this one barn in the fog and they went out and they were trying to go to town that was a quarter mile away, but they started doing circles and then eventually ended back up at the barn thinking they were still moving in a straight line. Because there's something within our natural being that if we're not careful, our lives can begin to drift. And this is true even of followers of Christ. We can make a decision to follow Christ, but if we're not careful through time, we we just keep going on our way, that that sometimes there can be this bending that happens away from Jesus. And sometimes we can veer off course and find ourselves going in circles. This is why I think it's so important that, that we learn to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus means to walk with Him because when we walk with Him intentionally and purposefully... He keeps us from uh, drifting and he helps us become the people Christ intends. And so, as we think this morning around this idea of aligning with Christ to to say, okay, God, I recognize in my life there's this propensity to drift, and so I have to be very intentional about aligning my life with Christ. What I'm convinced of is as we do it, that it is the following that makes us, that that is making us, that that the way we're transformed is through following. And so, we're going to look at Mark chapter. Four Verses 35 through 41. And um, Mark is a, is a marvelous book. Uh, it's a collection of the stories of Jesus. It is of the three gospels that we have. It is the earliest one. Um, it, is, it is Mark's collection of the stories that he heard Peter uh, share. He was actually writing it during a time where um, in, in the mid-60s, mid around mid-60s uh, A.D., when uh, Nero was actually the Caesar of Rome. And and, and Nero was this really interesting guy, and he had ideas and he had visions for for what Rome should be. Well, at some point during his reign, there was an enormous fire that actually broke out in the city of Rome itself, and it devastated neighborhoods. It wasn't just one or two buildings. It was like large portions of the city were actually burned burned down. And Nero leveraged that crisis, number one, to begin to try and remake the city in, in the idea that he had. In the midst of all of this, the, the, the was, the, there was some um, pushback that was coming because the pushback was this, that, no, that Nero had started the fire himself. And whether it was true or not, there was this pressure that that he was the one responsible for, for the devastation. And so what Nero did is he said, you know what? It's time to get the eyes of people off of me. I'm going to bend the eyes of people on others. And so Nero intentionally began to target believers, followers of Jesus, as the source of so much of what was wrong in Rome. As a result, it resulted in a variety of different persecutions, uh, including the, the death of Peter. Nero was a little bit sadistic, and so he did a variety of different things with, with, with dealing with, with Christians. And so one of the things that he would do is he would, he would dip them in wax and then use them as human candles in his garden. Like, how many know that takes a sort of twisted person? Um, he also took believers and he would dress them up in animal skins and he would release them into the Colosseum to be attacked by other wild animals and devoured. And, and, and so the, this, this attacking of Christians, in a sense, became sport. And again, it's during this time that, that, that Mark, who has walked with Peter and, and heard the stories that the Christians in the, Roman area, in the area of Rome were beginning to really wrestle with the persecution and the different things. and They are like going, how are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do? How do we deal with all of this stuff? And Mark seeks to just remind the people of who Jesus is and what he has done, how he is our hope, how he is our savior, that he is the one who's come to make everything right. And so he begins to record these stories. And these stories are an opportunity for us to hear again what it is that Jesus has done, but also to give us hope and courage, even when we find ourselves in places where it seems as though, where it may seem for some that that all this stuff is coming against us. And so what I want to do is I want to reflect on this little account in, in uh, Mark chapter four. And I want to note five things about this story, because what, what I think this, the, the, the five phases of the story we're going to look at are, are really going to help us understand a little bit more about what it means to align with Christ, even in the midst of difficult times. And so this is how, the, how it begins in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So, so Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee or Lake Gennesaret, and he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And it says this in verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke, broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And, and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Isn't that a great question? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It says, and they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I mean, that's a pretty amazing little story. There's so many big ideas about this, about aligning our lives with Jesus. The first thing I want to note is this, is that ultimately movement is a result of Jesus' directive. As we look at the sequence of events that are set in motion, you know, here, it all begins with Jesus simply saying, let's go over to the other side. Let's begin to move, let, let, let's go from where we are, let's go to the place over there, let's go, follow me. And the disciples' response to Jesus begins to set a whole lot of things in motion. Now what's going on here, there's some really interesting ideas I think that are found in, actual, in actually, in Mark chapter 4, and that is this, Mark in chapter 4, begins to tell a number of parables. And one of the parables is the parable of the sower. How many are familiar with the parable of the sower? The sower goes out to sow his seed, and then we find a little bit later that the seed is the word of God. And that as people properly receive the word of God and allow it to grow, it produces an enormous harvest. And so Jesus says, guys, listen. Let's go to the other side. And the disciples are like going, you know what? As we allow the word of God to come to us, as we begin to align with what Jesus says, this is what we know. He will produce a harvest. So it's in our interest, it's for our good to go to the other side. You see, the word of God for us is always to create movement. It's not enough just for it to, to give us information. It actually calls us and invites us to begin to move. To begin to align our lives with God's word. Now, one of the words that we use is the word obedience. And actually, in, our, in what we read in Mark, it, you get to the end of it, and it says, the winds and the waves, they obey him. And the word obey is really an amazing little word in Greek because the, the picture that it's creating is actually the idea of putting yourself under what you hear. It's beginning to align yourself with what you hear. Now, many of us have kids. How many know there's a difference between uh, hearing and hearing? So you tell your child, go take out the trash. How many of you kids, you know that one, right? Go take out the trash. And sometimes as a parent, you're going, did you hear me? And they're like, yes, take out the trash. Like, awesome. They heard it. But how many know hearing just what you said isn't what you're looking for? What are you looking for? Movement. How come the trash isn't taken out? How do you know they've really listened? They're actually doing it. And this is the idea of what is obedience. It's not just the transfer of information. The idea of obedience is really about alignment with what God is saying. And this is what God wants from us in regards to his word. And so the word of God is to create motion and movement in our life. And not only does it create movement, but also it begins to differentiate. It, it begins to call us to go places that are different sometimes than others. And so Jesus is like, hey guys, let's go to the other side. And you'll note that, that Mark includes, and, and you know what? It says, leaving the crowds. The reality is, as many times what Jesus asks us to do is very different from what the crowds do. That as followers of Jesus, our lives are not to look like just everybody else's life, doing what we want or doing what everybody else is doing. Don't you remember that little thing as a child? Why'd you do it? Well, everybody else was doing it. And then your mother would say, if they were jumping off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? And you're like going, depends on what the bridge is and what's underneath it. Sounds like fun, right? But, but But there's this aspect... That, that, that as we begin to listen and move in response to God's word, it actually differentiates us. And, and I would just challenge you that if, if your life reflects, if your life as a follower of Jesus looks no different than the people around you who are not followers of Christ, something might be wrong. Because following Jesus not only creates movement, but it also begins to differentiate Because the directives and and the Word of God actually calls us to places that are different from what the world is calling us to. So the first thing we note in the story is that movement is a result of Jesus' directives. The second thing we note is this, is that following doesn't exclude difficulties. Some of you need to write this one down. Following doesn't exclude difficulties. Now, I don't know about you, but, but wouldn't you think that if I did the things Jesus said... Everything should go well and easy and good. Can I get a witness on that one? Like it should, shouldn't it? Like I should if I'm doing the right thing, good things should happen to me. I shouldn't have to deal with difficulty. And what do the disciples do? Jesus says, "Guys, let's go to the other side." They say, "Sure." And then they end up in a storm. They end up in a storm. Now I don't know about you. I look at the story. And I'm like going, wouldn't it have just been easier to say, hey, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's just do that in the morning. But how do we know that with obedience, there's actually always a timing issue? Right? There's a timing issue. Jesus says, cross over. And so they begin to cross over. And all of a sudden, there's, there, there's this struggle. All of a sudden, they they, they go from this this idea of we're going to follow Jesus where he's leading and directing, but all of a sudden, we're we're doing what he said, but now we have totally entered a chaotic moment or state, and they begin to experience events that are greater than their own control and their own ability. And and what's interesting about the storm is that this isn't just a storm. This is a storm with an edge. How many of you have ever had struggles, and then you've had struggles with an edge to it? Right? Like, there, there's like, it was hard, but then there's other things you're like, oh, this wasn't hard. This was hard in a really, like, there's like an edge to this. And what's interesting is, as Mark tells this story, he's actually, there's some language that connects between this story and the next story. And in the next story, it's about a man who is possessed by a demon, and, and there's this spiritual stuff that's happening to him, and, and there's these difficulties that are happening, not just naturally, but there's these spiritual elements involved, and there's, Part of the story that, that Jesus is saying, hey, you know, follow me to the other side, and they encountered the storm, but it's not just a storm. It's a storm with an edge. And I think this is something that we need to be aware of, that, that even as we begin to move in the direction that God calls us to, that, that, that sometimes we experience difficulty simply because we live in a world filled with difficulties, but sometimes there can be an edge to it. There can be a spiritual component where where, where the enemy is trying to do something to, to undo any progress or to keep progress from happening in our lives. See, following doesn't exclude difficulties. The third thing that I want to note from this story is this, is that struggles have a way of forcing issues to the surface. That struggles, what they do, when, when you're in that kind of that, that, that cauldron of, of storm and up and down, and there seems to be a bit of an edge to it, it's always fun to see what begins to rise to the top. Mark presents the contrast between Jesus and his followers. They're in the same boat, they're in the same storm. Jesus is resting. His followers are panicking. And in their panic, they end up waking Jesus and saying something that is more than just a look for information. There's something actually sharp and pointed about what they say. Because they wake Jesus and say these words Don't you care if we're drowning? How many know when you hear if you your spouses, some of you, you're really attuned to this. Like when you hear, don't you care? How many know it's not really a question? It's an accusation. It's the statement, you don't care. It seems to me in this moment you really don't care at all. And the disciples are like, Jesus? Don't you care? Something came to the surface in the midst of the storm. And the same is true for us. Sometimes in the midst of our struggles and difficulties, all of a sudden we find ourselves saying things that we wish we didn't say. But the things we say are actually revealing something that's in us. See, Jesus said this. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sometimes, Jesus allows us to go through storms because he needs to get what's in our heart out of our mouth so he can begin to deal with it. Can I get a witness on this one? You're like going, I don't like that. Because for some of you, You will say, no, I don't have this issue, and I don't have this issue. issue. No, I'm at peace. I've got all these things. But put you in a storm, and watch what begins to come out. And Jesus says, listen, I want the purpose and potential that God has for you to be manifest, and for that to happen, we have to deal with what's in the heart. You see, struggles have a way of forcing issues to the surface. This is why I would say our faith is actually made as we follow, and even when that following leads to struggle. Because Jesus is trying to help us become. The fourth phase of the story that I think is important for us is that Mark reminds us that Jesus is greater than that which threatens us. The disciples, overwhelmed by the storm, yet Jesus can simply stand up and speak peace to the wind and waves, and everything gets calm. Mark is trying to remind the people who are reading his gospel even though it seems all these forces are greater than you and they threaten to overwhelm and swamp your boat, Jesus is still greater than that which threatens you. And Mark highlights both the power and the grace of Jesus. Not only his power over the storm, but his grace for his followers. See, what Jesus is doing for his followers is he is reminding them that even though they're in the midst of a boat, in the midst of a lake, in the midst of the storm, that they are not alone. They are not abandoned. He is here, and he cares. I think it's important in our maturity to understand that silence is not the same as not caring. Can I get a witness on that one? That's actually a pretty mature thing, isn't it? Silence is not the idea that God doesn't care. And we we have to be careful we don't conflate those or, or put those two things together. Because Jesus is with us in the boat. And he is still greater than the storm. And even though you may be in a place where you feel like you're in the midst of a storm and you're about to be swamped, please understand as a follower of Jesus, He is with you. You are not alone. And He is greater. And He has the ability to speak calm to storms. He also has the ability to speak calm to hearts. Have you ever been in that moment where everything seemed like real crazy around you? Yet you had this encounter with Jesus where it was just a simple reminder that he's with you and all of a sudden there was a calm that settled in you that was greater than all the stuff that was around you. This is why Paul would write in Philippians, he says, talking about casting our cares upon him, be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And then he says this, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will begin to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Please understand, in the midst of the storm, you are not alone. The last thing I just want to note from this story is that even as we get to the end, we find out that the the story provides an opportunity for reflection. Because spiritual growth and progress requires reflection. And what's great is that at the end of the story, there are questions that are asked. And, and they're from two different perspectives. You get questions that are being asked by Jesus and you have questions being asked by the disciples. In a sense, there's a, there's a heaven-bound view and there's an earth-bound view. It's kind of fun. Jesus asks the question, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? If I told you to cross the lake and a storm comes up and I'm sitting here with you, why are you so afraid that you're not going to make it? Why, why are you so concerned that, you know what? Um, why are you so concerned that this thing is bigger than the God you serve? And I think this is important because we all face these trials and we face these challenges. And sometimes we can be in a place where we think, you know what? God, I can't see beyond this. And our worry and our anxiousness begin to overwhelm. And sometimes they can cause us to begin to abandon what God has called us to and we begin to move away from what His purpose and His promise is. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I think this is important because it begins to identify aspects of faith that we all have to wrestle with. And and part of that is simply this, can we trust that Jesus is with us in the boat, in the storm, even when it seems as though there's no future? What a powerful message, not only for the people in the boat, but for the Christians in Rome. Like, why are you so afraid? It seems as though the emperor's against us and the country's against us and the empire's against us and, and all these things, and we have no hope. Jesus just asked the question, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, faith requires resting in God's goodness and His purpose. That if He has called us, And invited us to walk, and that walking involves us going through something that we're going to continue to trust that He is good and He's going to bring us to good. And even if, as for Peter, it was because of Nero that he lost his life, he still never lost his reward. And we have to understand. That we are created for far more than even this moment. And that God has purposes and plans for us that reach even into eternity. This is why Paul says, listen, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? What? You see, as as we go through these things, there's this opportunity for reflection from from heaven's point of view to hear from Jesus. Jesus. But not only it's an opportunity to ask questions from the disciples' view, which is this: who is this? That even the winds and waves obey him. Who is this? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is: it is: who is this? This is Jesus. He is the Christ, he is the Son of God, He is the Messiah, He is the one we've been waiting for. Who is this? This is why I would say, it is the following that is making us, the following of Jesus aligning with him that is making us. And and, and part of it, if if we're going to be shaped, if if we're going to allow this following to transform us, I think there are some things we need to do. First, it's going to require a clear decision. A choosing to follow. Now, this is what I think. You figure out what you think. This is what I think. I think that there are decisions that are anchoring decisions. They are big decisions that we make that help us say yes to certain things and no to other things. So it'll be 30 years this coming summer where Rachel and I will celebrate when we both came down to the front of a church before God, before family, before friends, We made a commitment. We said yes to one another. And in saying yes in that moment has anchored a whole lot of yeses and a whole lot of no's into the future. Does that make sense? And I think as important as that moment was for me, the bigger moment is when I made the decision to follow Jesus with my life where it was no more about my parents' faith or the faith I was brought up in, it became my faith and my decision to follow. And I went from being made to follow to being made by following. And I'm convinced everybody needs to get to that point where they make the decision, are we just going to are we follow Jesus or not? But not only that, it also requires daily discipline. And this daily discipline means that if we're going to stay aligned, we have to be attentive to his word and responsive to what he says. It involves us listening, allowing our hearts to, to be worked on so that we can hear his word and that his word might produce the bountiful harvest that he intends. This is why I continue to challenge you to be listeners of God's Word and to listen to His Spirit stirring because the way we stay aligned is through our listening. But again, it's not just listening for information. It's listening that creates movement. We need to listen so that we know how to move. And that moving is is a manifestation of this faith stuff, the belief, the trust, and the obedience. The last thing I would note, that if we're going to align with Christ, it requires determination in spite of disruption. So I want to invite the worship team to come. So this is what I know. Life is filled with storms, and sometimes the storms have an edge. And many of you, you've been at the place where you've been saying yes to Jesus and you've been trying to follow and align with Him and begin to move in His direction, but all of a sudden, all this stuff comes up, and, and sometimes it can be absolutely overwhelming. Sometimes we can become unduly anxious. Sometimes the edge can begin to uh, surface even in our own uh, lives, and, and, and we can say, You know, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Yet I'm convinced Jesus wants to remind us that he's come that we might have life. And we need to have a determination that, you know what, we're going to continue to align even in spite of disruption. Remembering that it is our Savior who cares. But not only does he care, he is close. You're not in the boat alone. You're not in the storm alone. He is with you. You see, it is the following that is making us... Pastor Dwayne's having a hard time over here. It's jet lag, I know it. We have the importance of, of walking with Jesus. And that walking with Him keeps us from drifting and helps us become the people that Christ intends. We are made by following. And I just want to continue to encourage you to keep following. I know many of you, you made that decision. You've got your anchor yes to Jesus. And you need to allow that anchored yes to continue to guide and direct you. As you follow him. Some of you, you're in the storm. And you just have to remember, I'm not alone. He may be silent, but that doesn't mean he's absent. And resting in the one who has spoken to you. Who has called you, who has created you. Because it is through the following that we, through following him, that we are made. So let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you were in the process of making and helping each one of us become what you've called and created us to be. And Lord, we have heard your call. Lord, you spoke to us. You said, come follow me and I will make you. And so, Lord, we've come. Yeah, Lord, we recognize that, Lord, sometimes we get caught in storms. We get a little bit overwhelmed. And God, I pray that your grace would meet your people even now. Lord, I pray that you would begin to bring a calm and a peace. A peace that passes all understanding. Father... I know for some you're going to change circumstances and for others you're going to change hearts. God, I just pray your grace would abound. Lord, may we anchor our lives in following you. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, Two things. First, maybe you're here and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus with your life. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe, maybe church has just been your family's, your family's deal. But you're like, you know what? I need it to be my deal. If that's you this morning, we just raise your hand because I want to pray with you because I think making decisions changes everything. Is there anyone this morning? Secondly, maybe you're here this morning and you are wrestling with a storm. Maybe it seems as though it's a storm with an edge. There are moments where you're just like, I don't know if I got the faith for this. And you're saying, God, I just need your grace to meet me. I need to be reminded of your word, of your presence, of your care. that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand, because I want to pray with you as well. I see those hands. And that one, thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, you see these hands. Lord, you see the worries. You see the fears. And God, I just pray that your grace would meet that you would surround and that you would strengthen. God, you are faithful to us and you are good. And Lord, I pray for peace to begin to change hearts and change lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. Pastor Duane's going to lead us in a song. And uh, I I know we're a little bit later than usual. I'm sorry. Um, You're welcome to stay. If you need to go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift His countenance upon you, give you peace. But my prayer is that this would also be, this song would be your prayer, your hope, and your confidence. Christ
1: is my reward And all of my devotion you glad you made that decision. I know I am. Amen. So, but as Pastor Dave said, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift his countenance. Give you peace. Go in and strengthen his might. Hug a few necks on your way out. And we are so excited next week. Just uh, come back Wednesday. Come back next week. Have some fun and enjoy God's great blessings. Amen. You are dismissed.